Welcome to today's episode of The Mismatch. Today, we are going to be talking about Ty Lue getting hired in L.A. In addition to that, we'll get to all of the coaching news going on in the NBA and Daryl Morey's exit in Houston. And then, after that, we will get to this week's mailbag. Now, on to the show. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find out what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older, 18 and older in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. Welcome to the Ringer NBA Show. I'm Chris Vernon. Joining me today every Friday from theringer.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Concer, Kevin O'Camera, Kevin O'Conflict, Kevin O'Candyland. Kevin! Verno! What's going on, buddy? Well, we talked about the NBA season ending earlier this week, and then I guess there was some expectation that we might have news by Friday, but I don't know if we knew we'd have this much news. Um... There's a lot going on. First of which is Ty Lue getting the Clippers job. He was on their bench. I think this was a big surprise because, I, you know, you and I talked about this in the weeks leading up, and I recall saying, if it's Ty Lue, why didn't you just give him the job? Why are you having this lag time between Doc Rivers going and getting the Philadelphia job? If, if he's the guy, he's already there. You know who that is. You know that's who you want to be the next coach. Why are you just not hiring him? And so I think, I don't know. I thought it would be somebody else. You got to do your due diligence, Chris. You got to look around at every option available. You got to call Coach K. <laughs> you got to call everybody who's <laughs> out there and and see who might be available. And, you know, they did interview Jeff Van Gundy as well. They talked to Sam Cassell as well. I mean, they had options out there, and ultimately, I think it's important, no matter what it is that you're doing, you know, when it comes to a big decision in your life, is you know, think through some options. And ultimately, for them landing on Ty Lue after the process, they after going through the process, it's not a major surprise at this point with the rumblings the past uh, week or so. And for them, you know, Ty Lue's a good coach. He's a good coach, and it was reported today that he also, you know, has some respect from 
the players in the locker room. So that part is important with the accountability aspect. And I'm not like, you know, head over heels for the signing if I'm a Clippers fan, because Tyler is very much from like the Doc Rivers tree of coaching. Uh, So there's some similarities there with style. But, you know, he's a good coach and he's coached stars before to great success in Cleveland. Well, and when this whole thing went down with Doc Rivers, one of the things that you mentioned was that this is a bomber deal. And so when you talk about the stars wanting him, you do wonder, did they go to Kawhi? Did they go to Paul George? Did they go to the others? And they say, okay, here's who we're thinking about hiring, or here's who we've talked to. What do you guys think? And then, of course, because they have been around the guy all the time, and presumptively they like the guy, they say hire Ty Lu because they'd be comfortable with him and they know what they're getting in Ty Lu. where if they hire somebody from outside of the Clippers organization, who knows what they're getting. And so I'm not surprised that players, you're right, like if that mattered a lot to them, I'm not surprised that players stood up for Ty Lu. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I feel like with this move, there's not a lot to talk about. <laughs> just being totally real. There's just not a lot to talk about because Ty Lu comes from within the organization. He's not a, a shocking hire, you know, from the college ranks or anything like that. Ty Lu's been a coach before. We know he's a solid coach. And for the Clippers, a lot of it is going to come down to what do they do with Montrez Harrell, who's a free agent this summer? Do they try to flip Lou Williams, who really struggled in the bubble, got attacked relentlessly on the defensive end of the floor? To me, they're another team like the Sixers. We talked about them when they hired Doc Rivers. To me, for the Clippers, it's more about what changes happened internally with the roster to the personnel, and then also with the leadership aspect. Did they find somebody in the locker room, you know, in addition to Patrick Beverly, who's that voice? Does Kawhi Leonard self-assess over the offseason and is like, you know what? I got to step up. This is my chance here to be a leader and be more than I've been throughout my career. Despite all my accomplishments, there's still more that I can do with my voice and the example that I set for others. Maybe there, maybe to me, to me, that's what's most important more so than the decision that they made at head coach. I think this is the question. The question is, if I'm the Clippers front office, I sit there and I say, okay, we blew through one lead to the Denver Nuggets. Would this have happened if blank was our coach? And I get it that he was on that sideline. But, you know, when you have somebody that is as commanding as Doc Rivers, I can understand if it wasn't. It's not Ty Lue's team. He is an assistant coach who probably respects the role of the head coach. And he's not going. That's not his team. Right. And so what you hope the dream scenario is that Ty Lue is your Nick nurse which is we don't believe that Dwayne Casey got us over the hump, but Nick Nurse can. He can. He was there, and he can improve. Now, in fairness, Nick Nurse had a lot better hand dealt to him the first year. The second year, he really did Kawhi Leonard. Right, but the, se- <laughs> yeah. but the second year, he really didn't, and he outperformed. He outperformed sure, that. Yeah, yeah. Right? But, like, but I mean, Doc they- Rivers did the year before they got Kawhi Understood. Leonard and Paul George. So it's like, that's why, again, to me, it's like, it's not about the coach. It's about the team. It's about the players. It's about the decisions made by the front office with the roster personnel. Are you willing to give Montrez Hell 15 or $16 million, or do you let him walk? 
Are you willing to shop around Lou Williams and change things up with your bench unit and, and really, you know, set the coordinates differently for how you want to structure this team and maximize Kawhi and PG to me, I'm so much more interested in that, which we don't know yet than I am about the decision at head coach. It's just full, like really the, really the way I totally feel about it. I'm not that interested like in the decision there until we see the roster because He's a good coach. Like, there's really not. But a you lot don't think he coach. moves that. But I, this is what I'm sensing. You're trying to be nice about it. You don't think he moves the needle. No, I mean, I don't think I'm. Not, I don't think like you could get the best coach in basketball. You could get Nick Nurse, and he might help. But you still need to make some roster changes. Like to me, like you could trade for, for Greg Pop. Look, if if they traded for Greg Popovich, it would be an unbelievable story, and it would be like this helps. Whatever weird reunion with Kawhi and Pop. But it would still be about, well, what about the roster? What do they do with Harold? What do they do with Lou Will? It would still be about that. You know what I mean? I understand. Is Ty Lue an upgrade over Doc Rivers? I mean, probably not. No. I don't think so either. I mean, but upgrade is relative. I mean, is he an upgrade in a vacuum? He's a different voice. He's a different voice. That's what he is. Exactly. Exactly. You nailed it right there. He's a different voice, and maybe that's all they need. Maybe that is all they need because they certainly had the roster to do better than what they did. Um, sure. Daryl Morey, who is, I mean, one of the most successful general managers in NBA history and one of the most active general managers in, on Twitter. in general managers in NBA history. Huh? <laughs> on Twitter, most active. <laughs> well, no, on Twitter. On Twitter, unfortunately to a fault, but yeah. also... <laughs> Trade-wise, he has made more trades and more acquisitions and more moves than anybody in the league over the last several years. Beyond that, he has he has filtered through all manner of big names in Houston. They have maintained a level of success. They have gone to the playoffs year after year after year. You know you can count on the Houston Rockets being there. The uh, the amount of success they have once they get there has wavered. He also has changed basketball, Kevin. Like Bingo. There mm-hmm. are those that resent him, but he has changed the league significantly in his philosophy using Rio Grande Valley as almost a test lab for a type of basketball shooting a billion threes and then bringing that to the NBA. Um, and I don't think the league is better for him not being a part of it. In fact, I think it's significantly worse for him not being a part of it. And this was something that everybody within NBA circles saw coming. Once that tweet went out, in fact, honestly, once Tillman Fertitta bought the Houston Rockets, it was going to be a different deal, right? Because that was not the owner that Daryl came in under. Then you have compound that with, the tweet that cost, according to Adam Silver, upwards of $400 million. And then you have the whole Russell Westbrook trade, which it's always been bandied about might not have been his decision. It wasn't. Like, there's it, just it was, been so much That was a James stuff. Harden decision. That was a Harden decision, period. Harden didn't want to play with Chris Paul. He did want to play with Russell Westbrook. And if he don't make that trade, then James Harden wants to go. <laughs> so Daryl had to make that deal. And I'm just saying, Kevin, under any other circumstances, other than what has taken place over the course of the last calendar year, this is stunning news. 
And instead, when that news came out today, you you could have knocked me over with a feather. I mean, like it just, I mean, I, I did not think Daryl Morey was going to continue to be the Houston Rockets general manager. In fact, I think you and I referenced that just a few weeks ago on the show. Yeah. You know what? Like with Daryl, ever since he got hired in 07, 08, they've had the second highest win percentage in the league right behind the Spurs. They have built winning teams. They pushed the Warriors to the brink. Went to a game seven against one of the greatest teams of all time. And if it weren't for Chris Paul, you know, hurting his hamstring, maybe they win that series and maybe they go all the way to the NBA finals and win it. They never, you know, reach the mountaintop. But Daryl is somebody who I will always respect for building winning teams and innovating the game and pushing it forward. And at a time when everybody was talking about, oh, the Warriors, they got KD. Should the, you wait them out? Wait out this dynasty. Daryl and the Rockets were like, no way. We're going for it. And they did. They made the trade for Chris Paul, of course. They made the trade for Westbrook. They made all these other transactions, tried going with small ball and everything else. They went for it and did everything that they could. It just didn't work. But with Daryl, I hope, despite some of the stuff this past year, he's able to get an opportunity. I hope, you know, I, I think he would immediately go to the top of the list for any team that might have an opening for a guy to run their front office. It's just a matter of, like Woj reported today. Is he going to want to go back or is he going to want to take a step back for a little bit of time and spend time with his family and maybe do some media? I I, I don't know what Daryl's plans are. I would love for him to do stuff with the ringer or anywhere else. I think Daryl would be a media <laughs> superstar. He would be awesome. Um, I think no matter what Daryl does, he always Daryl's a good guy and he always has a fine. He always seems to find a way to, to enjoy what he's doing. And uh, I, I wish him luck with whatever he does moving forward. But for the Houston, um, with Fertitta there, they've had a coach willingly leave within the past month. And Mike D'Antoni, they had Daryl Morey willingly leave just today. And then there was a report that their preferences at head coach are John Lucas, who would come off, who was an assistant coach there, or Jeff Van Gundy. I mean, full disclosure here, Fertitta is cheap. And John Lucas, or even Van Gundy for that matter, are probably two of the cheaper options on the market specifically John Lucas and John Lucas could be a great coach. And it was reported that Harden likes him. Westbrook likes him. And that's important. That's a big part of it. Uh, but an owner that was unwilling to go into the tax an owner that was unwilling to spend big money an owner that has experienced, unfortunately, like many people across the country, but a billionaire owner has experienced some hardships in his own respective way this year is also seeming to maybe trim. And if I'm Daryl Morey, I'm thinking to myself, like, maybe now's the time to bounce and just spend some time with my family. Because if you look at Houston, we talked about this weeks back, as great as they've been, again, second best regular season record ever since Maury got hired in 07. Second best. You look ahead, Harden and Westbrook can be free agents in 2022. They have player options for the 2022-2023 season. If it, things go sour, if they hire the wrong coach or the team doesn't get better, they they have a, you know they get swept early in a playoff series. What happens? Does Harden want out? Does Russ want out? Do they just walk? Suddenly, the Houston situation could be going down a bad path. And for Maury, I'm sure if you were like the favorite, you wouldn't be leaving. There's probably an element of that in there with his decision to walk away right now, where he doesn't feel like he can maximize this core. Now's the time to bounce. Kevin, I'll tell you this. You know, 
I have not been a huge Rockets fan or very nice to the Rockets. I'm not a huge Harden fan. You are not. Um, that being said, there is no team that could hire Daryl Morey that I do not think that that would be an absolutely brilliant hire that I would believe he could turn into a playoff team in three years' time. And I'm talking, who is the shittiest team? That Just name it. I don't, I don't, I mean, obviously, huh? Pistons. Who? I mean, like, uh, Pistons. I mean, maybe, it like was a, the Knicks, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, like a team, a team year that doesn't really year. have anything right now. Yeah. The Knicks at least have okay. some draft Charlotte. Points. Charlotte is the team that, like, Charlotte. Yeah, They're I mean, in a bad Charlotte, spot right now, right? Charlotte's got PJ Washington. <laughs> I mean, Miles. <laughs> they have the number three pick. They have PJ Washington. I understand. Okay. <laughs> They're in a bad spot. Do we agree? Yeah, yeah they are. <laughs> right. when, when your answer is they have B.J. Washington, <laughs> the 14th pick two years ago, not they a great the three, spot. They get the third pick. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not arguing who's in the worst position. There's a couple teams in bad positions. That's fine. Charlotte, right, Detroit, just, New York, whatever whatever it might be. Daryl could, okay. would, would be Within a guy that you three years' time, time, Charlotte would be a playoff team in the Eastern Conference and maybe a top five seed. That's how much I believe in him as a general manager. I believe that. He's proven that he can find guys that others may be undervaluing, whether that's a James Harden, whether that's a P.J. Tucker, whether it's even a Clint Capello who was a mid to late first round draft pick for that matter. I mean, he has found guys in different ways, trade, free agency, draft. Hey, and and here's the thing that he doesn't get credit for. It is hard to stay good. Like, yeah, they've stayed good for a long time. You can say, oh, well, he's got, that's because he's got James Harden. Well, bro, he he traded for James Harden, right? And before that, he put together this team full of dogs with Kyle Lowry and Shane oh, Battier yeah. and, and Ron Artest and that team. So, I mean, and he's, he's gone through Dwight Howard. He's gone through Chris Paul. He's gone through Russell Westbrook. Like, he's had all manner of, of different rosters there. And never once did he ever just bottom out to try to get back up. Like he, they have maintained a level of success year after year after year. And it's not, it's not, I had Tim Duncan and I won for 15 years straight. He's had all kinds of different players and had a winning franchise the, under the his, last un- year. Leadership. Rick Allman coached in Houston, 2010, 2011, just some of the names in that roster. Kyle Lowry, Goran Dragic, Kevin Martin, Courtney Lee, Shane Battier, Luis Scola, Patrick Patterson, Jared Jeffries, Chuck Hayes, Jordan Hill, Brad Miller. Yao Ming played 91 minutes that year. It was near the end. But they had some good players. They had some good players in Houston, even before they got Harden. And they had to flip some solid talent in order to get Harden as well, at least on paper, solid talent. But, um, he he landed Harden and ultimately that changes everything for you. But Harden was a guy who was a sixth man in, in Oklahoma City. And I, I'm not quite sure that other teams may have seen what the Rockets did in, in elevating his usage and turning things up to 11 like they did with him. And he just kept getting better over time, too. Uh, last news note from the day is that Dave Yeager, former Memphis Grizzlies coach, former Sacramento Kings coach, has been added to the staff in Philadelphia under Doc Rivers. And, you know, I know Dave Yeager very well. I made my comments a couple of weeks ago when he was up for that Indiana job. He's a fantastic basketball coach. He has gotten into it with two different front offices 
for different reasons. Um, but he is an an outstanding basketball coach um, who I watched every game the guy coached for many years. Um, this is a great hire in Philadelphia if you can get him as an assistant. And I thought it would have been a reasonable hire, possibly a very good hire for Kevin Pritchard in Indiana. I don't know what's going to happen with that Indiana job, but clearly Jaeger and his agent knew we're not getting that job. And so they're taking this job in Philadelphia. But, you know, we wondered how Doc is going to do in Philly. I, I can say with confidence, in addition to Doc and his expertise being a, those are two of the best out of timeout guys there are in the world. Both Doc Rivers and Dave Yeager. Dave Yeager, outside of Brad Stevens, is as good as I have ever seen. When And those are moments where you watch a coach and other coaches laud him. And I have heard many other players laud how well coached and how well prepared Dave Yeager teams are. And so the roster is a different issue. They ain't going to have a coaching problem in Philly. Between Doc Rivers and Dave Yeager, if they don't, I promise you, if they do not live up to expectation, it's not going to be because they were poorly coached because they've got two really good coaches that will, I think, really balance each other out. I mean, Dave Yeager, under the best Grizzly seasons were Lionel Hollins was the head coach and his lead assistant was Dave Yeager. And I think this is very reminiscent of that. You have a coach that played in the league, who commands respect from a locker room, who is a no-nonsense guy that is able to confront even your biggest star in the locker room and say, you're killing us. And then you have who I think is a basketball savant in Yeager next to him. And so I'll say this. They've effed up a lot of stuff in Philly. They haven't effed up this coaching bench because this is going to be dynamite. Yeah, I mean, we're seeing a handful of coaching staffs load up. We saw the Lakers do that with their all-star cast of assistants behind Frank Vogel. In addition to Ty Lue, uh, Sham Shrani reported today that Chauncey Billups and Larry Drew will be joining Ty Lue as assistants with the Clippers. We saw the rumors. And by the way, like it's exciting to see Billups get an opportunity as, a, as an assistant coach. I'm sure he'll be a head coach at some point someday. And then we saw the rumors with Steve Nash in Brooklyn the possibility of him hiring Phil Handy from the Lakers, who is a very well-renowned, you know, player development assistant coach, and as well as possibly Mike D'Antoni. If he doesn't land a head coaching position, that he could join Steve Nash on the bench. So we're seeing a lot of a lot of coaches bolster their, you know, assistants because it's important. It's not just a one-man job. You need an entire crew from the assistants on the front of the bench to the back of the bench to the guys in the video room. It's an entire operation to get teams prepared and ready to adapt in a playoff series and just, you know, get rolling over the course of the whole long regular season, of course. You'll like this because I can update something that we've talked about many times on the show. You recall early in the playoffs, I told you Tony Allen had said to me, who still keeps up with Rondo about the whole not jumping that much on threes. He became a three-point shooter, Jason Kidd's on his bench, whatever. Tony talked to Rondo a couple of days ago, and you know who Rondo went over and above? And this is like not talking to a reporter on the record. This is talking to his buddy. He 
raved about Handy. He said, that's the guy. That's the guy, like, because T.A. asked Rondo, like, what happened here, right? Because he turned up, obviously, in the playoffs. And he said, everything this guy threw at me, I did. And he said, this guy, Phil Handy, this guy, Phil Handy, is unbelievable. And I'm like, yo, if Rondo is saying that, like, I don't know Phil Handy, but Phil Handy could walk in this room right now and I wouldn't know who that is, right? I'm serious. You're in, you're, you're in your bedroom. That would be kind right. of surprising. That would that be happens. weird, right? <laughs> that, be, that being said, I know this. If Rondo, who has been in the league for, what, 13 to 15 years? I mean, he What's was going, going on? Why is Phil Handy here? Yeah, that's right. Get out of my room, Phil Handy. He was going. <laughs> he went on and on about how great this guy is. And I was like, wow. Because yeah. I think the expectation was that Jason Kidd is probably the guy that he would really talk up because we talked about how Rondo's kind of turned into Jason Kidd late career. But evidently, this Phil Handy, these players love him. They do. P- players love Phil Handy. They love him wherever he's been. And, you know, we'll see what happens between Brooklyn and him staying possibly with the Lakers. But What a career this guy's had. You know, he was in Cleveland, and then he went to Toronto last year. Won a title, then he went to L.A., won a title. <laughs> God bless. Fire. I, know, I mean, right? hire Phil Handy, whoever you are, right? Yeah, like, exactly. This guy's exactly. bringing titles with him. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. We said we were going to do a mailbag earlier in the week, and we were deluged with all kinds of mailbag questions. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we are going to get to said mailbag. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, It was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. It's 3 p.m. and dinner is still hours to come. Maybe lunch didn't quite hit the spot. That's where the new two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps from Arby's come in. Available in ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for the afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. Arby's two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. This episode is brought to you by Visible Wireless. Want a wireless provider that always brings its A-game? Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. And as if that wasn't already a huge win, you could use promo code RINGER20 to receive $20 off your first month just for listening to us talk about basketball. Not bad, right? You don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Just switch to Visible at Visible.com and use promo code RINGER20. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. All right. I said earlier in the week uh, that we had announced a mailbag that we were going to do, and Our listeners have sent in a ton of questions, and we are going to get to ones that have been uh, put aside. And so, look, let's say this off the bat, Kev. 
We apologize if your question is not used. We are deeply appreciative. That does not mean it may not be used in a future mailbag because we did get a ton of these. Yeah. Producer Sasha, she has the questions. (laughs) And if your question isn't used, blame her. Okay, don't blame me. <laughs> okay. Okay, don't blame me, but I was, I have to say, I was very touched uh, by all the messages. And I, I know that Kevin wrote a lot of them too. And we're just glad that you guys uh, found the show so useful in quarantine. Everybody had such a good time with it. Yeah. Thank Truly. you. Thank you, everybody. So many heartfelt uh, messages. First question from Mr. Rhett Bauer. With your reporting, I assume he means UKOC. With your reporting of Chris Finch being the front runner for the Pacers head coach position, do you think there's a chance the Pacers run it back with the two bigs and see what Finch can do? Or do you just surrender the idea altogether, trade one of the bigs and give him pieces to work with that naturally fit better? He also asked, what chance do you give Oladipo of playing another game in a Pacers jersey? Which is quite a sad question. With Oladipo, who knows? I mean, that remains to be seen. I, I support, you know, the reports that have been out there from Jared Weiss and and Jay Michael that Oladipo does have a wandering eye and he would look elsewhere. Um, as for Chris Finch, we'll see what ends up happening. I've heard he's the front runner. There's still other guys, you know, that are contenders for that position. Uh, but Finch is somebody who's had success with past situations and maximizing a big man as kind of the offensive coordinator of the systems he's held run. So for Indiana, I'd be exciting, excited above all else to see what can happen with somebody who would put Sabonis into positions to succeed with the ball in his hands, maybe elevating his playmaking responsibility more. And also, I mean, McMillan was a good coach, but I, I've always just been perplexed when you have Miles Turner pick and popping to the deep mid-range instead of the three. Is that a comfort thing? Kind of like LaMarcus Aldridge. Aldridge is somebody who's been reluctant to shoot threes instead of, and he prefers the deep twos. Is that the case with Turner? I don't think so. Turner's been shooting threes since he was in high school. So I look forward to seeing whoever's hired, if they're going to maximize those two bigs together, because I think it can work. It's just a lot of it is going to be about system moving forward. And Finch would be a good hire. A lot of people around the league like him. What's the deal with Oladipo? I do wonder if this is about the bubble thing and about him not wanting to particularly play. And then that story came out where it could cost him $3 million. And so if this is just aggravation about that whole situation, because other it's than frustration that, with the way the injury was handled, it was okay. a disagreement on, on injury with Indiana versus his own people. Yeah. And also okay. I think he does. He Understood. does also want to win. Like Oladipo wants to win a championship. And but bro, they spent money on, they brought in Malcolm Brogdon. They went and spent money on Jeremy Lamb. They've got DeMontis Sabonis. Like, I, I mean, mean, I'm not saying, I know Indiana is a really good team and maybe, you know, had Oladipo been hundred percent healthy and had all, all had everything worked out. Had Turner been healthy and had, sorry, had Sabonis been healthy. Maybe they make a run instead of Miami. Who knows? But for Indiana and for Oladipo, I think it's a number of different things. And also, by the way, he trains and lives in Miami during the off seasons. Oh, and they, they, he, their number one preference is, of course, Giannis Antetokounmpo. But so, who, so isn't Dallas's and Toronto's and Milwaukee's and everybody for that matter. Um, but Oladipo does train and live in Miami during summers, off seasons, I should say, because it's not the summer anymore. The off season is no longer the summer. (laughs) All right. right, We started small market. Let's go big market, perhaps the biggest. 
What is the best player that you think will be available for the Lakers to acquire in this offseason to be a third star? And relatedly, um, you know, we got a lot of different forms of basically the same question, which was, how can the Lakers improve their roster? You know, what are they going to do this offseason to improve their roster? Tomas from Argentina asked the original question, but lots of people asked this question. I made a video this week. I'm going to plug that <laughs> for the restart about the Lakers <laughs> and how they can improve the roster moving forward. They'll likely have the uh, non-taxpayer mid-level exception, depending on what they pay some of their other pending re- uh, free agents. Um, but in all likelihood, they'll have some money to play around with around nine or $10 million for that mid-level exception. And considering only five or six teams are going to have cap space, there's not going to be many bidders against them. So whether it's a Danilo Gallinari or or whether it's somebody like a Joe Harris, even though I think he might be a little bit out of their price range, or or whether it's some of the you know help around the edges like a Mo Harkless for that matter, I think the Lakers are going to be able to go out there and find something in free agency. But beyond that, they have the 28th pick in the draft. This draft is deep with quality potential role players, uh, especially at the wing position. They could use that and. Also, Kuzma, as young as he is, if they did decide to trade, packaging that pick and Kuzma together could maybe get you a quality player that can help now or maybe another young guy that a team wants to flip. So the Lakers do have a little bit of flexibility this offseason, and the advantage that they have is that not a lot of other teams have the ability to say, we're immediately going to contend for a championship, come ring chase with us when they then those other teams can't offer a lot more money considering the lack of a market this summer, this off season. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Let me think. How do I say this nicely? <laughs> um, the question was, how do the Knicks get a third star? And I guess my first question would be is Lakers. This is the Lakers. How do they, it wasn't third star. It was like third. It third was, well, who was, it third, was star? third star. It was, they wanted, well, I mean, in parentheses, it says maybe not third star, but their third best player. Right. Okay. So, I mean, okay. But still, third. I think that a lot of Lakers fans were maybe under, and also a lot of people around, uh, the blogosphere slash media sphere slash everyone were underwhelmed by like, the third best player on the Lakers team. So that thing that's I where this question is coming from. Yeah, yes, you were, but if you're talking like star, like Bradley Beal, I'm sorry, Bradley Beal is not being traded. I, I think it's important for NBA fans to remove that from their expectations for this off season. It's highly unlikely that Bradley Beal would be traded. They're going to try to you see how things go with wall and Beal. I would not expect a notable star to get moved this off season for that matter. Uh, especially to a team like the Lakers with they don't necessarily have the cap they don't have the salaries to put into a deal for a guy making 25 30 million you would have to have somebody really good take less money yeah that's the answer like when you said Galadari or or somebody like that he has to make a lot less money and just decide I want to live in LA I liked it when I was in LA I liked when I was playing with the Clippers I would like to be there again and I'll, I'm willing to make less money in order to do that. Lou Williams makes less money than what he'd be making. I mean, <laughs> guys do it. Guys do take less money to play in Los Angeles. They have done it in the past. And so that is, if you're looking for, but in terms of like big star, and here's the big truth. And one, I am, I'm that guy that didn't like the third best player. The truth is you don't need it. 
They just won the damn title without it. They don't need it. You don't need, you don't need the third. And, you know, the, as you mentioned, that roster, I think that's the worst that roster is going to look around LeBron and AD. I don't think you have to worry about that roster getting better. That roster is going to get better. It's going to get better. And by the way, the one name we didn't mention that I got into with the video, DeMarcus Cousins. Boogie did sign yep. with the uh, with the Lakers before he tore his ACL. And look, Boogie's had some serious injuries. He did not look good when we last saw him with Golden State. But, you know, now two years removed from that major injury, uh, it'll be over a full year from the ACL. If he can be 70% of what he was when we last saw him with New Orleans when he was with AD and they were really good together. That's intriguing to me because you're talking about third stars. Maybe he's that guy in name, but not in terms of production every night. Maybe some nights he brings it, other nights he doesn't. But he's always going to be somebody who contributes in some ways possibly off that bench or next to AD in the starting lineup for that matter. Who really knows? All I know is that the Lakers presented problems with their size as is with JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard at center. Imagine if Boogie was able to give more, assuming they would bring him back, which I would expect to happen considering he's been with the team the whole yep. past year for that matter. I already imagined. <laughs> I already imagined that my dreams were dashed. Oh, I won't forget that. That was a very dark <laughs> week. <laughs> that was a dark week. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if DeMarcus Cousins can be good again. We'll find out. I hope so. I'm rooting for Boogie. Those are some sad injuries. All right. So next one is from Mr. Max Johnson in Sydney, Australia. So many international Sydney. questions. So many. He says, hey, guys. We're huge so- all over the world, Sasha. Across Come on. the globe. <laughs> <laughs> international. <laughs> international. Worldwide. <laughs> if we ever track this back, these are like guys in Iowa. <laughs> they're not really in Australia, but hey, we appreciate that you say you are. <laughs> oh man! Um, so he says, "Hey guys, so I think it's fair to say that Luka Doncic is a top five or six guy in the NBA and could quite possibly have the brightest future in the NBA." My question to you is: Can Dallas get it done with Kristaps Porzingis as the number two guy? And if not, which he believes is the case. Who is the best second guy in the league to put next to Luca, and what roster changes should be made in order to provide Luca and Dallas with the best chance of winning it all? Simple answer, Giannis. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Oh boy. Um, uh, second I mean, guy. that's obviously complicated. I, I think the answer is no to KP because of the health problems. You can't rely on him to be your number two, even if he is in terms of production when he's healthy. You can't assume he'll be healthy. You need to assume that there's a chance he's going to miss some time. And and, and in that way, I, I, if I'm Dallas, you got to find a true number two who you can rely on to be there with Luka. You think that's somebody. just always going to be the case, though? Yeah. If it's I'm, not, yeah, I mean, if that's the only reason. With, with because, Chris Stapps, you mean? Yes. Yes, I do. I, I, I always think injuries are going to be a problem for him. I thought I, about this the other day because you know who else people said this about? And revisionist history is a hell of a thing, but this is absolutely true. They said it about Anthony Davis. It's just always going to be a thing. Just is. I'm talking the first four years of his career. Go look. Yeah, it's true. You know what I mean? It guy's always out for something. Always something wrong with them. This guy doesn't 
KP yeah. though is like has been getting hurt even before he was in the NBA when he was a teenager, and he has a seven you. weird seven foot three frame with you know a thin waist and broad shoulders and a lot of the same things that you're. A lot of his injuries were far more major than ADs though. Okay, so that's a big part of it as well. With with KP man, like I'm not gonna lie, he's somebody. The year before he entered the draft, so 2014, I had him ranked 10th on my board. He took his name out of the draft because he didn't feel like he was going to be a lottery pick for sure. Went back the next year, obviously goes to the Knicks with the fourth pick. I've loved this guy for a long time. So this is coming from me. Like I love KP as a player. But I, I felt the way you feel right now. Uh, you know what? I'm not going to worry about some of the little injuries he's had. To his I didn't legs. say I wasn't worried about it. I'm saying we talked about this no, no, I, I'm regarding saying, I know, Anthony I know. I'm just saying that's the way I felt. And at this point, after four years of a lot more major injuries adding up, that's a long list of injuries that he's had major injuries and nagging injuries where I'm just at the point like, yeah, I still like him as a player. You'd be happy to have him on your team. He's somebody that you could use and be valuable in a a series against the Lakers, you know, with his size against AD. But the fact is, is he always gets hurt and he did again this year with the meniscus problem. I can accept that. I can accept that. If he is healthy, he is good enough to be the second best guy. And that, But that's why I view him. He's good enough in terms of talent as the number two, but in terms of the reality of how you're building the roster with his lack of availability in the past, I view him in reality as the third player on your team. And that, that's unfortunate, but that's the situation that you have with somebody like him, which is why you're going to see Dallas Go after Giannis. That's why you're going to see Dallas go after Bradley Beal if things don't work out for the Wizards. It's why they're going to be looking out for that star whenever that time comes. Will they be able to get them? I don't know. I don't know if that's going to if that's in the cards for them. But to me, that's important for Dallas. And not only that, though, I do think it's important that over time you develop Luka off the ball a little bit as well. You can't. I, I don't think you can expect him to be the only guy. Even AD, think about what AD does for LeBron. AD can create off the dribble. He can bring the ball off the floor. He can attack closeouts. He can facilitate from the post a little bit, even though he's not a great passer, he's fine. Kristaps Porzingis is none of those things. KP is a finisher, period. Shoots from deep. He's a defensive rim protector for you, but he's not somebody who's going to create offense for you. And so he's not somebody who's going to alleviate the pressure off of Luka in a deep playoff series when it's game six, game seven, and your legs are getting tired and need a a break sometimes. AD can give that to LeBron. Jared Dudley was just talking about that on the pod with Bill and Ryan this week, that LeBron directly said that to him, like, sometimes I'm going to have to lean on you. I'm not so sure Luka has that in KP because of KP's lack of shot creation ability. The other skills that he have he has are best suited when he's playing off of others, and that's when he can really shine. I'm, I, I'm, I'm still higher on Porzingis than you are. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. There, what, what was that one playoff game where they just decided Luka's not going to kill us and Porzingis just went all the way the hell off in the first half of, of one of those playoff games? And I'm like, my God. There's every once in a while this guy reminds you of how crazy ridiculous he is. Why that, we that called him game, the unicorn. I believe that was game three. If yeah, I remember why correctly. we called him the unicorn. And it was like, jeez, there's nothing to match up with this guy. I mean, freak I'm, not take, I'm not taking anything away from KP here. All yeah, I'm you are. Is, yeah, you kind of shit on him. You did. A little I bit. mean, I, he's a great player, but he also doesn't stay healthy. And he's a, more of a finisher than he is a creator. That's that's my only point. I think he could be the second, your second best guy and you'd be 
a dynamite team. Yeah, you but think he, third best. Yes, he's second best in terms of talent, but in terms of availability, he has not proven that he, you can be relied upon as yeah. your second best player. All right, that's fair. All right, let's move into the draft. Let's move into the draft. We have Mr. Tyler Schuster, Wolves fan, much beleaguered, I assume. I think the Wolves should draft James Wiseman because our defense and rim protection is the biggest problem we have. Wiseman can make an impact off the ball without the all caps astronomical usage rates Edwards and Ball would most likely want right away. If the league is positionless, then let's draft another big who helps us with our biggest weakness and isn't a zero on the offensive end. What do y'all think? I don't like it. I don't, like, don't the like the fit idea? next to Towns. No, I just don't like the fit next to Towns. I think you, uh, uh, you uh, Wiseman's going to be Wiseman is going to be at his best within five feet of the basket, right? And I don't think on a team with Towns, and I know Towns shoots a lot of threes, but I don't think that Towns is, I don't think that high low. Like I, I just envision that, and I don't think that I, I James to me is not going to be, he is going to be a guy that can block shots. He's going to be a guy that can be a rim runner. Like we've talked about in the past, Kevin, I think like the ideal thing is being like a super capella, right? Like that kind of a guy. And okay, let's say I put regular capella in next to towns. Do you like the fit with capella and towns? I don't, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know what necessarily the ideal fit next to towns is, but you're spending an awful lot of money on a very high pick, right? And I don't think that that position is necessarily essential. And I also think you need somebody tougher next to Towns. I would, go, if I'm them, I go get like Aaron Baines. I get somebody tough next to Towns to do all that crap. Would I don't you trade get, the number one pick for Aaron Baines. No, I'm saying, <laughs> I'm just but, kidding. But I'm saying that's the kind of guy I get. That kind of guy uh, to go next to. I can get a role yeah, yeah, player. I, understand. I, I don't understand. need. I mean, look, you're if you're spending that high of a pick, this guy better be awesome. And the guy that next that, that needs to play next to Towns, that's not a star. That's a role player. You know what I mean? I want a role player at five when I've got a star at power forward. How many times have you seen, I mean, it's been a long, you got to go back a long time for you to find a team that's got a star power forward and a star at center. I guess if you want to say it worked with Horford and Millsap, but it's, and, and I know there are going to be other examples, but it's rare. I want, if I've got Dwight Howard and Anthony Davis, well, you just actually, <laughs> two stars. That, is act, that is a little bit instructive. They used role players at center exactly. with Davis. And I don't think that that is irrational to think okay if i'm building with towns i want somebody that can set screens rebound protect the rim all right yeah, like, yeah. I, I, and I, I, i'm I using the freaking number you. three pick we, on that we we talked about this weeks back with the value of bigs in today's league we talked about you know zubats and and harrell and tice and all these guys you know robert williams grant williams Dwight Howard, JaVale McGee, we talked about all those guys. Bam Adebayo, a mid-first-round draft pick, lower-valued, not number-one picks. We did talk about that, and I'm 100% with you there. And I also don't think he's the ideal guy at the first pick for Minnesota. But I also don't think Edwards or LaMelo Ball 
are the ideal player. LaMelo, some of the issues in terms of sharing the ball with D'Angelo Russell. In fact, we don't know how good of a shooter he is with Edwards. We don't know how good of a shooter he is. We don't know how good of a decision maker he is. He hasn't yet proven that he can be a consistent defender. There's shaky options up top for Minnesota. With Wiseman, the fit, everything you said, I 100% agree with you. He but is, I'm intrigued. Wiseman, you know who he's perfect for? He's perfect for the Warriors. He's perfect for the Warriors, it, yes. That, uh, that's absolutely. who he's the perfect fit for. Absolutely. Because he can be just a role guy. Yes. Yes, he can. But with Minnesota, it's not ideal, but I'm intrigued. Would I do it? I don't think so. I'm doing everything in my power to trade down from that pick and get more assets. But am I intrigued by the idea of if Wiseman pops and you're the team in the league that has two top bigs, Carl Anthony Towns, who can do some freakish things from the perimeter with his ability to create off the dribble. There is more to Towns' game than we've seen. I think we will see more from Carl Anthony Towns as the Minnesota Timberwolves get better. Am I intrigued by them having a rim runner and Wiseman who can also do a little bit off the dribble for you? If you bring Wiseman in for a workout and he shoots the heck out of it, I'm intrigued because you can really swap and play different ways with those two bigs. Would I do it? I would trade down. That'd be my number one option, but I'm not sure who's trading up ahead of Golden State or Charlotte uh, when there's still a lack of clarity with what they want. Let's Wiseman act like in this draft that you're not going to be able to trade down. I take Anthony Edwards. We, like, we don't have to do fit. Is Edwards the, another Wiggins, though? Take the best player. Is he another Wiggins? I don't think he is. I don't think he's another Andrew Wiggins. I mean, I, I suppose you're asking me that because you think he is. I don't. No, think I, don't, I don't necessarily think he is, but I'm just asking, could he be? I mean, he's 100 pounds bigger, and he's... <laughs> He's got he's got a lot more tenacity to me. Shaky jumper, shaky decision maker, inconsistent defender. Those are a lot of the same things people were talking about with Andrew Wiggins. Andrew, I'm not Wiggins, sure Wiggins' problem is his weight. It's a it's his game. No, Andrew Wiggins' problem was also that he is a shrinking violet, and he can disappear. Did you watch games? You might watch games where Anthony Edwards wasn't fantastic, but did you watch games where you just? He just, you didn't even notice him. You didn't even notice Andrew Wiggins in the NCAA tournament. They got their ass beat by Johnny Dawkins' Stanford team, and it was like he wasn't even in the game. Mm-hmm. Like he could that. just, he could just like not be a part of what, of, of, of what's taking place on the court. I mean, at least Edwards, even if it wasn't good, you at least felt his impact. And so that's what yeah, I would say I mean, look, is the difference. I, I, you, you could say the same thing about Wiggins in college. Even Despite that, that stretch in the tournament, he also had some tremendous defensive games throughout the season, just like Anthony Edwards did. But Edwards also had stretches in which he just disappeared in the defensive end of the floor, where the, the situations where he would run up the floor, you know, run hard after loose balls were just gone. And the consistency aspect, look, I, you're talking to someone who has Edwards number two on his board. I really like him as a prospect, but I'm just saying I'm intrigued about the idea of going with two bigs. I'm just intrigued by it. Would I do it? I don't think so. My number one option is to trade down or out, but I'm intrigued and I think there's some logic to it. If you're Minnesota and if you feel Wiseman has a chance to pop. And by the way, for Minnesota, there's an aspect here of they need to hit the pick. Whether Wiseman is a great player or the perfect fit or not, I feel pretty confident in saying that Wiseman is at least going to be a quality player. 
with his athleticism and his length to be an impactful player on defense and with his rim running ability on offense. He has a he has a foundation to be a quality rotation player. Some of the other guys have a lot to work on to contribute to winning. I would say from and I don't have massively strong opinions, certainly at this point, especially with the way that we didn't get to see conference tournaments. We didn't get to see the NCAA tournament. And so this is a different year, NBA draft wise than other years. But I will tell you that when I talk to NBA people, I mean, Edwards and Ball are pretty well at the top of I don't know everybody, everybody that I have talked. I'm saying of everybody I've talked to. I mean, it's in terms not. of like what they expect or their own personal boards, because personal boards is everywhere. It's all over the place. But oh, of Mark, course. Personal, personal mean, boards. I'm saying in the end, those, I think if, I think there's a lot of people that if those aren't the top two picks, they will be surprised. That's I don't what know. I'd say. Uh, I've, I hear a lot of mixed stuff out there. And I think, I think what's indicative of the fact that people don't know is the mm-hmm. fact that everybody says, oh, it's going to be LaMelo and Edwards and Wiseman in the top three. But everybody says, I don't have him in my top five. I have Wiseman ranked 10th. I have LaMelo ranked oh, nine. Geez. I mean, there, it's everywhere with whoever you talk about. So why wouldn't that be the case with one, two, three? Like, why should we assume that that's going to be the top three for sure? There could be surprises this year. There could okay. be surprises. I guess we'll see. We will see. I'm excited. You know what? Nothing would surprise me, including seeing those three guys go in the top three. I think that will be the. T- <laughs> I think I think the top three is going to be the top three. <laughs> we'll see. I will be. I will be surprised if somebody breaks into that top three. I'll tell you what. One last thing on the draft. We, for the past six months, I feel like so little has changed in terms of like the so-called consensus, so-called trade rumors or, or teams that might love a guy. We haven't heard a peep about that, but I would expect over the next three to four weeks ahead of the draft, we're going to get that all really, really in a condensed amount of time. All the typical draft uh, rumors we hear over the couple months between the combine and the draft itself, we're going to get that over the next couple of weeks. Let me tell you this. You know who's been you know who worked out in Memphis during all this stuff? Oddly. You know who's been here? RJ Hampton. Ah. They tell me he is awesome. I'm like, okay. Mm. I mean, I don't I I'm just the people that have worked out with him tell me that Hampton is awesome. And I'm like, okay. I mean, because I saw him, I saw him briefly on that New Zealand team, they came and played a preseason game with the Grizzlies. And you remember, I told you, I need to see this kid in four months. Cause it looked like an 18 year old playing in his first game with adults. You know, I don't, I don't know. You could tell he's got some smooth stuff to him, but evidently, I guess after that time that he played over there and then he has come back and then he was originally going to go to Memphis to play for Penny Hardaway. And he came here during the quarantine and worked out with Mike Miller who left the Memphis staff. And he, I guess they had developed a relationship prior to, so he had worked with Mike Miller and those guys, but they tell me Hampton's awesome. I'm like, okay. Cause he's kind of lower on draft boards, right? He's kind of like back half of the lottery, back half of the lottery. I have him 21 on my board. I want to wow. have him higher. I'm just having a, I'm having a hard, hard. time finding a place for him higher this year with some of the other guys that I feel have more certainty. I'm just telling you what I heard. I mean, I I, I haven't seen the kid either, but I don't know. Again, (laughs) another one of those guys, people are all over the place with RJ Hampton too. I'm with you. He was a big recruit. He was a big recruit. He was. 
He was. Clearly did not help himself by not going to college. What do we got next, Sasha? So this one's from uh, Kyle from New Jersey. He says, big fan of the show. Been listening since day one. Wow. Back then. Thank you, Kyle. (laughs) Back then, Kevin was the king of blowing it up, and Chris hated the idea. (laughs) But with the recent struggles of the Sixers, who were the prime example of the blow it up and tank method, and the success of the Grizzlies, who traded away their best players and acquired John Morant, I was wondering if you guys have changed your opinions on blowing it up or if you still feel the same way. Okay. Uh, number one, and I'm glad this question came in because now I get to clarify something. People bring this up to me every once in a while and they'll say, yeah, well, I bet you like tanking now because you got John Morant. The Grizzlies did not get John Morant by tanking. They got John Morant by absolute lightning strike luck. They won as much as they possibly could with Avery Bradley and Jonas Valanciunas and DeLon Wright and all these guys they had, and they won 30-something games so that they could give their pick away to the Boston Celtics, and it wouldn't be as hurtful. So the lower they got, that would be the pick that Boston would get. They would just give that away, and then they could get on with rebuilding. Instead, while they were supposed to lose that pick and concede it to Boston, the damn thing came up number two in the draft. It saved the franchise, literally. I don't know if they would have traded Mike Conley, if not, but they would have been so effed. You have no idea. That's why they fired everybody. They fired everybody. They did tank. And guess what happens to tanking teams? They end up with very few of the players left and everybody gets fired. The coach gets fired. The GM gets fired. Everybody gets fired, which happened. And then they got the number two pick in the draft. And now they're set up. They're set up. They're set up for the rest of like the the next 10 years. But that's just because they got lucky, not because they tanked. They tanked and they got uh, Jaron Jackson the year before, which is an outstanding player. Jaron ain't Ja. Ja's pure luck. And Ja's going to be a superstar in the league for the next 15 years. And that was after winning 30-something games. They were supposed to give that pick away. And then, now go look at their roster without Morant if they give that pick to Boston and tell me if you think they're in a good spot. That would have taken, I don't know how long, to build a good team. But I certainly, I'll never forget, the night they got the number two pick, I walked into the other room and I told my wife, I said, our lives just changed. We just got the bailout of all bailouts because this team would (laughs) have sucked. This team would have sucked for years, <laughs> literally years. And who knows what they would have done with Conley? I really don't know. They had already traded Marcus Gasol, but the Marcus Gasol deal was a good deal. In an, in an alternate universe somewhere, you guys do give up that pick and you have a top pick this year. And next year you're tanking again and getting Cade Cunningham and, who knows? Like, who knows what the alternate universe looks like? But I know it looks pretty good for Memphis right now. And the way they did it is awesome. I mean, they showed that you can continue trying to win. And, you know, even though they, well, they sort of did that, so they could retain no, we, got lu- pick. 
It got lucky they that got they lucky. had made a shitty trade for Jeff Green years ago. Yeah, I know, I know. They, <laughs> because they, that's the only reason they tried exactly. to win. They, they got lucky and whatever. You know, teams find different paths to winning. We saw that with Toronto trading DeMar DeRozan and getting Kawhi Leonard because they remain mm-hmm. competitive. We see it happen differently with we saw the Lakers for years. They were losing. Then LeBron James comes. That's right. I mean, there's so many different ways and paths to winning a championship or just having playoff contenders every year. My thought, we've talked a little bit about this over the course of the last year. I remember we've talked about it. You said I change on tanking. I don't think I've changed my view on tanking one bit. I've been this way ever since I've been a little kid and I used to tank for draft picks playing Madden. I've been this way ever since I first saw the 60s start the process. I think it's a method when the situation is right. I think blowing it up is a method when the situation is right. I'm not sure there's a lot yeah, of situations. Yeah, but you have changed where, since they've effed with the odds. And the rightfully odds so. do change things. In terms of tanking, yes, for damn sure. Now I it's mean, not tank, worth it. Tanking of, is, you might tank yes. and the Pelicans get the friggin' number one pick yes. and they get Zion. Bingo. And it's like, what the hell? Tanking it, is not as powerful of a method anymore, but I am still fully all in into the idea of blowing it up. If you're in a situation where you're lost and there's nowhere to go for you, there's no path to championship contention. I am a full supporter of blowing it up before it's too late. And we may see that in the coming years right now. I don't think there's a team that I look at in the league where I'm like, yeah, they should blow it up. There was a lot a couple years ago with Paul George in Indiana. I felt that way with DeMarcus Cousins in Sacramento. I felt that way with Jimmy Butler in Chicago, even though <laughs> maybe maybe should have felt otherwise and seeing him perform in the finals. I still fully am all in with the idea of blowing it up, but there's just not a team right now that stands out to me that should be Let me give you a good one, and this is something that you have brought up in the past, and it's not obviously a full blow-up, but this, it absolutely falls into your... I think this will be a great example of what of the way you used to think versus how you would think now. I think our show three years ago, you would 100%, I think you even did write it, that they should break up the Lillard-McCollum backcourt. I don't necessarily don't feel that way. You don't? I just don't know what the trade is that makes sense. You know, like that's the difference. Should Could they, does it make sense to trade CJ McCollum? Yeah, I think it does. But for who? I'm not sure what deal is out there that makes a heck of a lot of sense for Portland because there's just not much out there. So to me, like, you, yes, you can say blow it up, but this was the situation with Memphis before Gasol and Conley were dealt. It was at the point where their value declined a bit, where it was like, this isn't really blowing it up anymore. You're not maximizing a return. Oh, you can get big for McCollum, don't you think? I do. But, but, but He's who? in his prime. But who? Who like you need to maximize Damian Lillard, so it needs all to those be another, teams. That, hey, look, how about this one, Kevin? You, you, you all can, those you teams can, you that can, you think need Beal, fill in the blank. Then all right, fine. You can't get Beal. Yeah, but but if Washington trades Beal, they're trying to rebuild. If Portland trades McCollum, they're looking for another quality player. There's a big difference. Yes, you could get a lot from McCollum if you're getting draft picks and young players. Portland doesn't want that. Portland wants to win now and try to contend for a championship around Damian Lillard. It's hard to find a, a star for star trade or great player for great player trade out there that makes them better. That's all I'm saying. Like you could find draft picks. You can find young players. That's no problem, but they shouldn't do that. Bring me a McCollum idea that makes sense. And I'll, I'll, I'd be hundred percent on board with trading him. Okay. But this is, I'm saying you used to think of it 
as you wouldn't sit there and go, okay, no. if there's a good trade for McCollum, then I'll do it. You used to say, I mean, what the hell's the point? I mean, you they can go back. You can go back and read my. I don't want to argue about the way I felt. You can go back and read my article from that year, the NBA draft, you know, NBA blow it up index. I lay it all out there. It's, it, I would not say trade CJ McCollum for young players. They have Damian Lillard on their roster. They have a top ten player. You got to try to win a championship when you have a top ten to fifteen player on your team, unless that guy is in the last year of his his deal, and you have no hope of adding anything to him. That's the scenario when you trade that player that I am fully still in support of. Right now, that is not a situation that has presented itself in the league. You, I can't find a, they might need to blow up Lillard and McCollum column from Kevin O'Connor. Yeah, I, I have said they should consider trading McCollum. Okay. I, was just I said they should consider trading if they can get a significant return. I, I, I still stand by that, but I would not trade McCollum for, you know, just a young player or something like that, unless it's like a really, really good player that can help you win with Dame. Can we end on something funner, more fun? <laughs> my 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 uh, elementary school English teacher would get mad at me for saying funner. Uh, <laughs> not like I paid Kyle. attention to her. Not like I paid attention to her. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> I don't even remember her name. Go, hey, but, but pay attention to school, kids. You, you know, by the way, one, one, one other note while we're thinking of another question. The Blow It Up Index, Chris Ryan edited that article that year. And he's like, this is good. This mm -hmm. could be something we do every year. The Blow It Up Index 2.0. Like the 20, like I did wrote yeah. that in 2017. We could do the 2018 edition. When 2018 came, I said to Chris, I'm not sure like there's enough to do this again. And I still don't feel that way now in 2020 that another blow it up index makes sense. Because that year I went through all 30 teams, said which teams should blow it up, which teams can't blow it up, which teams it's too late, which teams could. And I don't think we're in a spot right now in the NBA. Most teams know who they are and they understand who they are. You know me and you are going to change spots. I, I actually texted Chris Ryan last night and I said, I've got an idea. <laughs> I want to do the blow it up index. <laughs> and I said, Kevin doesn't want to do it anymore, but I want to run around with the bomb. I said, Chris Ryan, I don't know if you will. I said, I don't know if you'll edit this, but if he's scared to blow up teams, I'll blow these bitches up. I don't care. And so I'm just going to start. <laughs> I'll, and what if we just switch spots? And then you're going to have to talk to me. You'll be like, Chris, why do you want to blow them up? And I'll be like, I don't care. I'm just blowing. <laughs> blowing teams up. Who cares? What's the point? What's the point? Seriously, they what, suck if anyway. The, if the Spurs trade Aldridge or, or they let go of DeRozan, is that blowing it up? Because I don't consider that blowing it up. Aldridge is in his late mid thirties right now. <laughs> blowing what blowing up? up? They, they didn't exactly. make the playoffs. Exactly. They didn't make the playoffs. No, you, the, yeah. the whole idea is you got to find some playoffs. H Houston is the next team that I foresee. In the future forecasts, we've talked. We just talked about yeah, this on the pod, you know, earlier a little bit, in a couple of weeks ago. That if things don't go right with this next coach, right. with Harden and Westbrook having the opportunity to enter free agency in 2022, maybe they're the next team that it's like, oh, gotta get a major return for Harden. Mm -hmm. That's where we could end up being in a couple of years, but that's a ways away. I think that's true. You think Daryl's a GM next year? I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know. All right, well, we've got a lot of mailbag questions still to get to, which we'll get to over the coming weeks on Friday episodes. So keep sending those in. Give them the address. 
Yeah, thank you so much, everybody, for the questions. There is so many good ones, but not enough time today, especially with all the news we got today. That took away mailbag time, but we'll do more for the mailbag next week. If you want to submit questions for next Friday's show, please email us at nbamailbag at gmail.com. Sasha and I will look through those and find some of the best ones and answer as many as we can next Friday. Thank you to producer Sasha as always. And thanks to all of you for listening to another episode of The Mismatch. And we will talk to you on Tuesday.